One of the uh, great bishops in Anglican history was a bishop named Thomas Wilson in the 18th century. And he once quipped that love is a talkative passion. Love is a talkative passion. Love makes you want to talk to the beloved and about the beloved. Love is a talkative passion. How many letters, how many poems have been written because of love? How many cups of tea and coffee and glasses of wine have been talked over because of love? How many friends have been bored to death by their friends who have been talking about love? We talk about what we love. When we, um, Karen and I first moved here to Opelika, about every member of the church, just about every single one, um, told us all about Auburn football and rolling on game day and game day cookouts and the chants and the, what, the rituals and everyone because everyone, it's one of the deep loves of this community. And so people naturally talked about it. Auburn didn't have to send out some memo that said, don't forget to evangelize to new residents about Auburn, right? People just love Auburn, so they talked about it. The apostles, they just loved the gospel of God. The message of the forgiveness of sins that is now on offer in Jesus. They loved it. They loved him, the author of their salvation. So they talked about him all the time. Wherever they were dragged, they couldn't help talking about it because love is a talkative passion. And this talkativeness began on Pentecost because the love of God was shed abroad in their hearts by the Holy Spirit. As we see in Acts chapter 2, no sooner does the Holy Spirit fall on them, non-coincidentally in the form of a tongue, right? A t- I mean, a tongue of fire, because, you know, fl- flame looks kind of like a tongue. But there's a double entendre there because it's a tongue of fire, right? No sooner does the Holy Spirit fall, than they start talking. What are they talking about? It says in Acts chapter 2 verse 11, the mighty works of God, by which they mean the death and resurrection and ascension of Jesus. And they spoke in languages that they did not know, but which communicated to all the various linguistic groups that had gathered there for Pentecost, right? Jews by blood who had assimilated different languages and cultures from all around the world had gathered to Jerusalem. The apostles burst into speech, inflamed by the Holy Spirit. St. Peter preaches the famous sermon that launches the church out into the world with great force. Love is a talkative passion. Christian faith uh, should naturally produce Christian speech. Now, it doesn't work both ways. There are plenty of hypocrites in the world who talk all the time about the things of God, but don't have true faith working through love. So just because you're speaking about God doesn't mean that you have lively faith. Speech doesn't prove faith, but the inverse still stands. If we never talk about Jesus, do we really love him? If we hardly ever talk about the gospel, do we love it? And here, I'm not, please don't mischaracterize what I'm saying. I'm not saying that um, the portrait of sort of the Christian who just uh, has no respect for who he's talking to or what circumstances he's in and is just sort of always redirecting to things Christian, um, that is actually not a good presentation of the gospel. And even as someone who loves the Lord can be kind of irritating if they're not paying attention to, to the real circumstance. So I'm not saying, that we need to pivot all conversations to the gospel. But, I, but just ask us, if I never talk about Jesus, do I love him? Right? Think about, compare how many times you talked about Auburn, to how many times you talked about Jesus. You don't pivot every conversation to the tigers, but it happens, right? Because you love it. I think the gospel should be in that mix. 
Um, some people are naturally taciturn by temperament, so I don't want to sort of um, conflate an extroverted temperament with the grace of the gospel. They're not the same thing. But So I would say, in as much as you talk about anything that you love to others, that's the metric for how much, to ask oneself, how much do we talk about the gospel? And so what, what I want to say is that our silence can, doesn't have to be, but can be an indicator that perhaps our love for God is, is not as great as we like, might like to think. That in my heart, in private, in my own mind, I think, oh yeah, I really love God. But then if I never talk about him, do I, do I really? It's a sad admission to make, but if it's the case, it's really a necessary admission. What can be done if you wish it were otherwise? Were otherwise? Um, you can pray for the gifts of the Spirit. Remember, it says in Acts chapter 1, prior to Pentecost, what were the apostles doing? But they were praying for God, night and day. They were gathered together, asking God for his gifts. Two Sundays ago, we prayed a collect of the day that began... I love this, pour in, praying to God, pour into our hearts such love towards you. That's the opening line of the call. Pour into our hearts such love towards you. That's the prayer when we sense a lack of love. You can't gin up love, right? Um, but you can ask God to pour out more love. God himself can increase our love for him if we ask him. Notice, too, I said um, that we can ask for the gifts of the Spirit because it's very important to distinguish between the gift, singular, of the Spirit and the gifts because each of you who's been baptized already has the gift of the Spirit, right? That's because the Spirit himself is a gift. That's the gift that comes at Pentecost. It was kind of a twofer. They got the indwelling Spirit, and with the Spirit came all these gifts. So each of us has the gift, singular, but we can then ask for the gifts, plural, that come from the gift of God. As we heard in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And then Paul goes on to list nine distinct gifts. And it's not an exhaustive list. There are other lists in the New Testament as well. Um, so there's not just nine, but Paul lists nine gifts. And what's interesting is, did you notice that a full five of those nine are gifts of speech? Utter utterance of wisdom, utterance of knowledge, prophecy, kinds of tongues and interpretation of tongues. Each of those is a speech, is a, you know, necessarily involves speech. Five of the nine. So if you wish that you spoke more about God in your life, you can ask for a gift of speech. We can ask generally that God would inflame our heart and loosen our tongue as he did on the day of Pentecost, but we can also ask specifically according to what we feel kind of holds us back. I'm sure in the moment you th there have been times, I have times in my life where I think, Ah, because of this reason, I, I don't feel comfortable speaking about God right now, as the Spirit might have prompted. So just to go down the gifts, if you feel like perhaps um, you have a hard time describing theology, that if it gets into the theology of the Trinity, you're just going to panic and not... Well, ask for the utterance of wisdom. That's how that's traditionally been interpreted, is the ability to speak about sacred mysteries. You could pray for the gift of wisdom. If you feel like you're not well-read enough, or, or sort of the complexities of what, how the Christian life looks in the 21st century, and it's complex, ask for the utterance of knowledge. Um, there are saints in Christian history who have university degrees, but there's far more who were given spiritual gifts of knowledge and wisdom, apart from any books, that wowed the world and converted the heathen. Utterance of knowledge. If you wish that you had a bit more courage to speak into your friends' lives or more clarity of discernment, pray for prophecy. That's what prophecy is. 
is to be able to see what's going on in the life of someone else or in a culture and to speak into it with courage and clarity. If you wish that you could speak across the divide that is created by other languages, now sorry this doesn't help if you're studying another language or just hoping to pass the test. Um, <laughs> but in terms of when, the, when, the, when there's a felt cultural gap, and it's like, ah, like I can't talk to this person, like we can't, we like keep missing each other because we come from such a different place culturally. Ask for a kind of tongue that could communicate across a cultural or even a linguistic or a class barrier. We can ask for the gift of tongues. There are, of course, wonderful stories of missionaries being stuck in difficult situations and praying for tongues and being able to communicate in a language they didn't know. It still happens in our own century, not just in the first century. Um, that's a rare circumstance, of course, but that's not the, that doesn't exhaust the idea of speech that communicates beyond our own cultural horizon. God, in his wisdom, almost always waits for us to ask him for things before he gives them. He wants us to be willing participants in his own work. So I encourage you, as you feel the need, to pray for these specific gifts. And not just once, but to pray repeatedly until the Lord gives it. That's our model for prayer. Each day, Lord, give me the utterance of knowledge, please. In your mercy, give me the utterance of knowledge. Lord, give me the utterance of knowledge. Before preparing any sermon, before I even put to, like take the lid off my pen, I pray, Lord, please give me a word that's useful, because my ideas are just so-so, but the Lord can make them really useful, right? Pray that your speech will win many to Christ, as St. Peter's did. But don't, don't forget, above all, underneath, underwriting all the gifts, um, pray for an increase of love for God. What a great prayer to pray regularly. Lord, may, help me to love you more. Pour out, pour into our hearts such love towards you. Because love is a, is a fire that, that burns away fear, and it, and it naturally sets speech free. Because love is a talkative passion. I just love that quote. Where love is, there will be speech. The apostles were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak. That's Acts chapter 2. Amen.